In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the win against Milan in the Derby della Madonnina, previewing the Champions League tie against Barcelona at the Camp Nou, uh, as well as the Serie A away game against Lazio, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Ecco Perisic, uno contro uno, gioco di gambe, guadagna il fondo, il cross, Icardi, e gol, 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 Maurito il Bamba! Sono i blocchi nell'area di rigore, arriva la palla, la prende Messino! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavale Ruzzari, who woke up today with a big, big grin on my face, and I'm thinking most Interisti did as well. But before we get into all of that, let me welcome uh, the panel, and we're joined by the founder of the Gentleman Ultra, Mr. Richard Hall. Welcome, welcome back. Hi, guys. Wonderful Monday, yeah? Gorgeous Mondays. Um, and we're also joined by uh, SempreInter.com's own uh, preview analyst, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Hey, everyone. How's everyone? All good? It's fantastic. And we are also joined by uh, our um, uh, by Mr. Will Beckman, who does uh, who does play-by-play for Serpita Maranina and is a staff writer at SempreInter. Welcome back. It's happy Monday, surely. We're going with a with an adjective. Yes, we certainly <laughs> are. And 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 being and the reason why we're so happy in part is also. Sorry, I didn't we're... say hello. I didn't say hello. I'm actually, yeah. That's fine. Hello, um, <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello, Will. <laughs> oh, I just come in with a with a really bad '80s rock reference this week. Yeah, um, and we are uh, we're partly really happy because we're also joined by our good friend who was at the stadio, uh, Giuseppe Miazza, yesterday to watch Inter win. Welcome back to the studio, Inter, Mr. James Horncastle. A pleasure to be back. Always nice to have you. And you were saying that you're still in Italy and you're watching Rai, and uh, it was a uh, it was a rather interesting show uh, starting just as we're recording, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, this is the the program that is the kind of like panorama in the UK or I don't know some kind of investigative journalism uh, show wherever you may be listening, and it's about uh, the uh, the ticketing fiasco at Juventus and uh, the Indrangheta and the Calabrian mafia getting involved in that, and just how how much people knew about that within the club it's uh it's it seems to be uh yeah causing quite a stir in italy this uh because they've teased a lot of the stuff out of it you know with um you know for example the reporter going to see beppe marotta um or, yeah sort of wiretaps between the kind of security manager and, and leonardo bonucci um and francesco calvo the former uh, commercial director at the club so, yeah, very interesting to see what comes out of this uh, documentary. Well, we'll whenever there's dirt involved in Juventus, uh, I'm sure Inter fans are interested. So be sure to check that out on YouTube or wherever you see these documentaries online. I personally just watched the, I think Raya was made a fantastic remake, like a video remake documentary of the Calciopoli investigations uh, where some guy was was acting as Moji crying and it was it was, it was was really bad acting, but it was good. Uh, the, the, the actual documentary <laughs> was good. 
No, yeah, no, but it was it was a dramatization exactly, and it was like it was really really overdrawn, like, like the acting the is over the top. O.J. Simpson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we like, are the Celtopoli reenactment society. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, but it was really, really. I mean, the like what was really interesting was the fact that it was all factual because everything was backed up with actual, you know, evidence. But the acting was just oh my god, it was it was it was cringeworthy. It was like like watching one of those you know when when someone who can't sing to save their life applies for pop idol or something it was really cringy um right let's not dwell on that let's move on to uh something that has absolutely nothing to do with juventus uh, namely the derby de la madonina uh, which you attended yesterday uh at the san siro uh, james and um we i'm keen to hear your thoughts because uh, although i'm really happy that inter won um i think this is now the third derby under gennaro gattuso where i think in, where, where i think that milan have gone into this game into this derby uh, from the start with the intention to park the bus, win the ball high up, and a counter-attack against Inter uh, in a way that only provincial teams do when they come to the San Siro. And I'm quite annoyed with this. Uh, my question to you is, first of all, do you agree with that assessment? Um, and uh, do you think there's a danger, if you do agree, do you think there's a danger moving on that he might be changing the, 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 the you know, if this were to continue and, and Gattuso were to stay on quite some time at Milan, that if he continues like this, this might change the entire dynamic surrounding the derby? I mean, I found uh, his press conference on the eve of the game quite curious because... Um, both managers were asked, look, if, if, if you, know, you could have any Milan player, um, who would you take Luciano Spalletti? Um, and Cattuso was asked if he could take any Inter player, who would he take? And he kind of said, well, all of them. They're all really strong players, which on the one hand was quite a diplomatic answer. But on the other, I thought kind of sent the wrong message. It's like you're basically saying this team's better than us. Um, and... In terms of his like tactical setup, as you say, he he went with the same kind of approach that he had in the in the Coppa Italia um, in December and the game again in what March April time, and you look at how Milan have evolved under Gattuso um, uh, over the last almost year. They're no longer that team that kind of needs to park the bus, that needs to kind of. Um, I don't know, battle and suffer, and uh, because that's just not their characteristics anymore. This is a this is a team that has shown itself, particularly um, since the start of this season, able to play good football, um, be bold and courageous, play out from the back, um, pass their way from one end of the pitch to the other. And you know what struck me again um, throughout yesterday's game was how they were unable to get Suzo involved. You know, Higuain um, uh, only had one touch in the penalty area um, in the first half, and that was in first half stoppage time. I think Milan as a whole only had four touches in uh, in the entire game in Inter's penalty area, and they were just very ineffective, I thought. And when Bonaventura and and, and Frank Kessie sort of broke forward on the counter attack and were trying to run into space, I think the problem was they then made the the wrong decision. Um, you know. It, who to pass to. Um, I remember there was, I was sat next to a, a quote unquote journalist who was clearly a Milan fan. Who, <laughs> the number of times he punched the desk. Um, <laughs> as, as, um, I there was one case where there was a switch that was on and it was an under hit pass. There was another chance where they had a man free on, on, on the flank 
and they tried to pass it through. And all that Bonaventure had to do was kind of be aware enough to basically run over the ball and allow it to go to some uh, to his teammate. And he he got in the way, and the move broke down. And that seemed to be, uh, yeah, pretty pretty much the theme of the game for them. Um, yeah, I mean Handanovic, aside from the the goal which was disallowed at the end of the first half when Musacchio was offside, he had nothing to do. He had nothing to do. Um, and yeah, I, I think. For me, as you said, Nima, it was quite a provincial approach from from Gattuso. But given what we've seen from them, given that they've gone into this game what with three straight wins, Higuain had scored in six straight games. They scored ten goals in their their last however many games, and we're, we're finding the uh, goal really easy. Suzo, you know, uh, at the top of the assist charts in Europe's top five leagues, and they had nothing, um, both for approach and I think to some extent you have to give. Into into credit for neutralising what uh, what uh, what Milan were doing, but I don't think Milan certainly. I think Milan helped into. So I'm I'm a bit surprised. This is your starting question that you're you're criticising Gattuso for basically helping your team win. Um, <laughs> no, but the thing is, I, I'm, I'm he's just to... bitter because he predicted a defeat on like, no, last week's really pod. Not. So uh, really not. no, no, no. But to be honest, um, this is um, this is because I'm, I, I was thinking about this. I'm really you know, uh, and I'm really glad you you brought that up because. Uh, Personally, I mean, growing up, uh, this derby, this der- the, what makes this derby so special is that it's not just the fact that it's two clubs who are world class. It's not just about the fact that there are two cl- two clubs that have conquered the world and and look at themselves as world beaters and 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 you know galactic superstars and and have this kind of huge uh, b- picture image of themselves. It's not. It's the fact that no matter how poorly uh, things have been going in the league, no matter how poor a form either of these teams have had, you know, in, in my lifetime, going into the derby, this has always been a derby where both teams have always gone out there to win. Mm. And it's one thing if you have one derby where you, you know, you have lots of injuries or if this is a cup game, uh, that's fine. But what annoys me about Gattuso's approach at Milan in the third derby in a row now is the fact that he's not even trying. The Derby della Madonnina is, is spettacoli, is spettacolo. It's supposed to be, you know, it's two teams, two world-class teams going at it back and forth and trying to win. The, the, yesterday, there was only one big club on that, on that pitch, and that was Inter. And the other, and the other, um, and the other team was a, was a team that, that, that played the way Cagliari, Sassuolo and Parma do when they come to the San Siro. And that's not what I, I, I'm worried because... This is, again, this is a trend now under Gattuso. One game, nothing. Two. This is the third game in a row under Gattuso. And I'm, I'm, I'm worried that this, this could change uh, the, the entire approach and, uh, you know, the, the, the dynamics surrounding the derby. Because it, it goes from being that spettacolo, this spectacular event, to being just another boring city derby where that's decided on individual mistakes. I mean, I, I thought um, another thing from, that stood out for me yesterday was that um, when Milan were counter-attacking, or when they were sort of on the on the one or two occasions where they were building attacks, yeah, one of the kind of trademarks of their play uh, throughout this season, respective of whether they're part of the boss or they've tried to be a bit more open, is they've got Suzo and Chalinoglu, who um, just shoot from outside the box all the time. Um, and uh, Chalinoglu was really poor, I thought. Um, <laughs> Uh, yesterday uh, was rightly hooked. I thought Gattuso then did make quite a bold change by going with two strikers and playing 4-4-2, Broughton Coutrone, 
Um, but Chalinolu was really disappointing. You know, I mean, he, he had maybe three or four shots, including, a yeah, he, he bothered taking a three free kick from 35 yards, which I know he made his name for Hamburg scoring a free kick from essentially the halfway line against Dortmund. But um, he looks like a player who, yeah, second half of last season really seemed to sort of um, promise quite a lot. And so far this season hasn't really done all that much aside from in the game against Olympiacos. Um, so that 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 is another thing where I think if you're not set up to um, to to create a lot of chances and play on the front foot, you're relying on Suzo and Chalinoglu's aim to be to be sure. And I think you know I mean. I mean, Souza just couldn't get in the game um, yesterday because of that approach, I think. And, you know, the, the, the one time he did get space on the time, time and space on the ball was, the, was for the cross that he put in for Musacchio. He ended up being offside. He then had, what, their first shot on target, which was kind of midway through the second half. But aside from that, they, they offered little. And that was the other thing that, that um, uh, yeah, all the pre-match build-up was about how physical Inter are and how much stronger they are and how much tougher they, they, they are than this super technical, skillful Milan side. And yet we saw Milan in some aspects of this game sort of resemble their manager as, as he was as a player, you know, in, in, in terms of how they were throwing themselves into tackles. From the stands, um, I thought Trillia was more at fault than Nyingaland for that that. Yeah, that crunching tackle in in the in the middle of the park. I've since seen replays and 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 uh, I've changed my opinion on that. But that seems Billia seemed to be really kind of out there to um, not only step on Nyingland's toes but just to stop him. Um, and they were very physical. I think they they just seemed to move away from everything that was good about them this season. So as you say, you know, playing possession based passing football and uh, and maybe being a bit lightweight, a bit agile, rather than what we saw on Sunday, which was a uh, a passive team that looked to play on the counter-attack and looked to play kind of rough and ready when, I'd say, the only player in their team is capable of doing that is someone like Kessie or someone, you know. Mm. Mm. I hear you. Mo, do you have a question for um, James? I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Um, Will, have you got a question for James? Hello? I'll happily go. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let me, I'll, I need to edit, edit all this out. Um, yeah, that's fine. Right. Okay. Just ask me and I'll go if you want. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Uh, Richard, uh, do, you have, do, you, I'll pass, uh, do you want to ask uh, James something? Yeah, it's actually on that point you made about... Uh, <clears throat> the physicality of the game and uh, also the fact that Milan haven't didn't play for most of the game particularly well or with as much fight as many expected them to. I think my point is just, I thought that obviously Inter, as you alluded to before, pressed really well early in the game and it was Rajin the Angland for me who was just phenomenal in the small amount of time he was on the pitch. And I felt if the game had carried on like that, it could have been more convincing for Inter because I think it would have dominated perhaps more possession. So <clears throat> my question is kind of twofold in one way. That when I just want to know if you think that that element when Niangland went off the pitch and Valero came on, I mean, even though he tried so hard to, to affect the game and to, a, to an extent was OK, um, do you think that made a huge difference? Because I was surprised at the, the drop off personally. And secondly, I just um, on a side note, obviously Milan 
were heavily criticised, especially by the crew of the Sud afterwards. There's been quite a bit about um, a statement from one of the ultras about the lack of fight, about the lack of, you know, how uh, the ability even. That, and like Nima said before, this is a derby and they've not really gone out and done that. I just wonder if there's been any more fallout from that in Italy um, in the last couple of hours. Um, well, I haven't seen any, partly because uh, I've been sort of uh, busy with some other bits and bobs. Um, mm. But what I, what I would say, the Milan fans um, last night were incredible. Um, they were uh, they were bouncing up and down all the uh, uh, all the way throughout the game uh, when the performance of the team was disappointing, and you could be completely forgiven for thinking that their team was winning given how they were um, they were essentially partying uh, mm. and, and created a real kind of South American, Argentinian-style atmosphere about, uh, about the place. Um, so I can understand uh, their disappointment. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that, uh, again, caught my eye, when, when Nyingla went off, I went, I kind of had a deep intake of breath and thought, this could be a major momentum changer for, for this derby. Um, and instead... It wasn't as much as a momentum change as I expected it to be, um, because al- although there was the drop off that you talk about with 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 Borja coming on, um, I thought this was Milan could take more advantage of that, and they didn't. Um, and I think again that mm. is something that that um, for Milan fans would be pretty pretty galling um, when the guy who basically has come in, who's who's there to set the tone when it comes to intensity, um, and also can get has been getting you know, Spalletti team's goals from midfield for years, when he goes off, um, yeah, sort of, what, 26 minutes into his first derby, I thought that that, that was the, the wake-up call, the chance that Milan would have to actually think, OK, now, this, this is in our favour. And instead, it was Inter who kept creating chances, you know, with, um, with De Vrij hitting the, hitting the, uh, hitting the post, uh, you know, Politano running into into the box uh, and dribbling and causing a bit of a panic. Donnarumma, even before the kind of um, yeah the, the the most decisive moment of the game in the 92nd minute, there was a cross from Asamoa in the first half where he came out far too far from his goal where, and it, and and didn't really punch punch it away convincingly. Where he just thought that I think sent jitters. Through through the the could of a sudden and the, and, the, and the Milan fans and so any kind of momentum that uh, that they might uh, might be swung back in their favour from England going off just wasn't there um, and, I, and that's why I, I just thought overall into into completely deserved the deserved the win. Great, um, Mo, did you have a question um, uh, for James? Yeah, so uh, James, where do, uh, I mean, you know, we always talk about this being three points, uh, just three points, etc. But uh, what do Inter take away from this match yesterday uh, for the coming run, in your opinion? It's a tough run, uh, important games uh, against the group favourites in the Champions League, away to Lazio, etc. What, what, what do you think, realistically, we can take away from, uh, from the result yesterday? Um, I think it was important that they kept this run going. Um, what is it? Seven straight wins now. Um, and I think it's, <laughs> to some extent, the, the only blemish on it is the injury to Nyingalan and the, the doubts over the fitness of, of Brozovic and Perisic going into the, into the Barcelona game. Because I remember on, on Sunday morning, 
when the kind of news sort of came through that Messi was going to be out for um, a month, six weeks, I thought, wow, Inter have got themselves in such a great position. They've kind of earned their own luck here. If you go into this kind of double header against Barcelona and Barcelona are not going to, not going to have Messi there, this is just fantastic. Um, I, I still think Inter can get something uh, in, in this double header, be it at Camp Nou or at San Siro. And I think if they do get something from any of those games, qualification is, is, is very close indeed because, you know, you look at the, the other two teams, um, you know, they've both got zero points, if I'm not mistaken. So um, for, for Inter to already have that cushion is great. Um, and, you know, I think as, as Spalletti alluded to, uh, aside from the points, um, this, is, this is so important for, for the mentality of the team because um, it's 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 clearly as we've, we've discussed before, this team has has very violent mood swings. You know, uh, 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 one loss can can precipitate a crisis, which takes months to get out of. So uh, I think uh, for them to again keep the streak going, but also to to win late again as they keep doing, shows that this team stays in games, always believes. Um, and I think that's that's a massive um, pro for Inter going forward. And you know, we shouldn't forget that last year Inter distinguished themselves in the big games, you know, by either going undefeated in them or um, do, doing better um, than many people expected. Aside, uh, even in the game they lost, the Derby d'Italia, what in in the end of uh, April last year, yeah, uh, yeah. Ten men and were leading going into what the final sort of ten minutes of that game. Inter really uh, shone uh, for me in those matches, and I think that 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 reflects the kind of the image of the captain, really, Icardi, who who almost always raises his game on the big occasions. So I think those are all positives. I think the general solidity of the team, even though they're not playing fantastic, flamboyant football. The solidity of the team is uh, is pretty impressive, um, and yeah, the, the the fact that they can play, they can essentially keep Miranda on the bench, or you know, drop Miranda and play Divrai and Skirinja. I mean, when you see them up close and personally, you really realise just how you know big, towering figures these guys that they have at the back. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's Inter have got themselves in a very in a very good position. Mm. I agree. They really do. Um, right. Uh, Will, uh, did you have a question for James? Yeah, I did have a couple, although I think you sort of answered the first one. It was going to be about De Frey, um, because I think he has been even better than I expected, which is, um, which is quite something. I would say that to sort of counter the optimism that, you know, for, for, for how well Inter played, you know, if Higuain had been on the pitch, then it would have been a very difficult game for us. Um, so, <laughs> no, that's a joke, obviously. Um, because, uh, yeah, Defarai was incredible. Um, now, my question is, what's a good season for Inter now? Because I still don't think the Scudetto is realistic, but it feels like if you say they just need to get in the top four again, when they win seven in a row, that's not really enough. Yeah. There's, there's kind of a limbo here because... Six points off Juventus, but five points ahead of fifth place. You know, Milan and Roma have got so many problems at the moment. <sighs> the Champions League, do we have to get out? The, like, what, I don't know. What, is, is sort of third and 
last 16? Is that about par? Well, you know, how, how do we judge this team whether they've had a good season in May? How I would uh, justify third representing its success for Inter um, would be that um, they'd finally kind of break that Roma and Napoli duopoly of being, hey, we are the contenders um, to Juventus's crown sort of every year. Uh, and that's been the case, you know, more or less since since 20, um, 2012. Um, so I think that, in some respects, would be uh, would be a positive. I think there's no reason why, looking at the talent that Inter have got and the kind of depth that they now have, why you you could maybe why you couldn't maybe see them doing what Roma did last year in the Champions League. Um, because if I think if Roma can get to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Then, uh, after coming through a group that is, I think, an equivalent uh, equivalent in difficulty. Um, so Roma had, for example, Chelsea, uh, Atletico Madrid, and Carabag last year. Inter's is, is more difficult um, with with Barca, Spurs, and PSV. I think if they were to come out of that group, if they were to even top that group unexpectedly, the confidence that they 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 might draw from that the prospects of them maybe getting a more favourable draw in the round of 16, once you get into the quarterfinals, uh, anything can happen. So I think that's, that, that, that is something that, that uh, Inter will be thinking game by game about. That's not going to be an objective. Um, but I do think all the clubs that are not Juventus need to, look at the, the, need to look at the Coppa Italia and think, can we win that? Can we get a trophy? Um, because... The fact that they've been able to do the double for the last four years uh, isn't a disgrace because you look at how good Juventus are and, yeah, that completely makes sense. But it's, I think, a trophy for any of these teams in this particular period where, you know, Juventus is essentially just looking to do the treble, which, you guys, of course, you guys do not want to happen. <laughs> to, 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 to stop them in some way like that, um, I think would be would would represent a positive. So, so yeah, I would say third decent Champions League run. If you can win the cup, that's that's success. But um, uh, I mean, that's a that's a lot of things. I would take one of those. Um, yeah, I, I would I would I would look at third and say yeah, they're still they're still pointing in the right direction. Um, uh, but I think, as I said, I think they've they've, they've got the material there. La Stoffa. To, to sort of um, to do something in a cup, um, and uh, because I mean, just being in the stadium last night, and I, I unfortunately wasn't there for the Spurs game, but San Siro really does uh, add value to a to, to a team. It is it, it gives gives you something extra, which I think few other few other clubs, few other teams around the continent can call upon, and. I think if you if you can get yourself in a position where you have that that backing support behind you, um, there's no telling what Inter Inter can do. So it'd be great if they can get through this group and and get get a favourable join the round sixteen and then see what happens. For me, for me, for me, the way I look at it, I mean, is is I think that for Inter it's about improvement on every year. If they finish third, if they go to the semi final or the final of the Coppa Italia, and if they go to qualify from the group, that in my opinion is is success because Spalletti is is not a he's, he's not one of those coaches who comes in and wins and is there to win at that moment. He's he's always been, in my opinion, at least someone who builds uh, a couple of seasons and then peaks and is in his fourth 
third, fourth, fifth season, maybe. Uh, the, he's not a, like a Simeone or a, or even Mourinho, who just, you know, he comes in and he wins begin, starting them. That's when he wins. Uh, so for me, I think a good season would be just to just to improve and build on the previous season. Uh, and I think Inter are en route to doing that. So uh, th- th- that's, that, that should be enough to to be success. Now, obviously, Inter should always win and aim as, you know, if we're talking generally, Inter should always have as a as an aim to win titles. But if you look at how, where Inter are coming from and, and where Juve are, I mean, you have to be realistic. Um, and I think if they can win a Coppa Italia title, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, the expectation at the start of the season, judging by uh, how people graded their transfer window, was that... Inter could and should maybe be runners up this year. Mm. Uh, now, you know the the start of the season, um, you know August to the first international break, I think was a bit of a reality check and changed people's opinions of of that. And Napoli have certainly done a lot better than I was expecting under Ancelotti. I thought they would regress. I th- yeah, that that take nothing away from his ability as a manager. I just thought. Sadi had overachieved to such an extent with that team that there was going to be some inevitable drop-off. And instead, they've come through a really hard start to the season with, what, seven wins out of nine. And uh, and now it's kind of downhill for them um, um, through, through, uh, through into Christmas. So, so ordinarily, I, I, I think now that there is a... That it's, I want to see that be a competition between Napoli and Interfair. Um, for, for for second spot, really. Hmm. Yeah, and that's what I heard a Napoli fan yeah, say so, so, at the uh, start of the season. Said so I think it will be a battle between Napoli and for second. So. I'd take that. Hmm. Uh, also, you you did a pretty interesting um, uh, interview with uh, Suzo uh, when you were down there, uh, and he said that uh, he. Um, uh, he said he said that Inter wanted him, but he did, he he turned them down. Uh, if I if I read it correctly, um, which was yeah, well, you better do because it, it, you you better had otherwise he'd be he'd be uh, crucifying me because this, <laughs> the thing that he he made very clear before <laughs> the interview and then before telling us uh, this because uh, I was there with a couple of other um, journalists and he was like you know don't you know people. People always misconstrue my words. You know, I'll say something and it comes out completely differently in the press. Like, for example, stuff I said about Montella. Um, so, you know, write what I say, guys. And uh, and yeah, before this, he did say, you know, write it exactly as I say it. And uh, and what he said was that in the summer, um, into um, I think sensing some vulnerability at AC Milan because of their financial situation. Um, what a statement that was that Milan put out today, sacking Marco Bassona, by the way. Um, that's another <laughs> thing. Uh, but um, uh, Inter tried to tried to sign him. Um, Massimiliano Mirabelli, the, the now former sporting director of, of, of Milan, sat down with Souza and his agent. And this is something that Souza really wanted to point out and was kind of seen as a criticism of Mirabelli because Mirabelli then came out publicly and said he didn't know anything about this uh, reported offer from from uh, from Inter. Um, and, you know, when you sit down and talk about it with a player, there is a, there, there, there is an inference, there is a, a, a kind of implication, an inference there that um, that the clubs may be considering accepting it uh, or is thinking about it. Um, and Suzo, I, I think... You could look at it the other way, in that an agent's bringing that offer to the table and saying, "Look, Inter about they're going to pay you this. 
you should take it. But Suzo was very kind of clear in saying, I really wanted to stay here. You know, I, I, that was that was my objective from day one. And he said that Inter had also bid him the summer before as well, um, when uh, when he was in negotiations for his uh, for the contract that he signed that September um, of 2017. So. Look, I mean, given how interplay uh, with width, with wingers, with with guys who love crossing into the box, yeah, of course. I mean, Suzo Suzo fits into that um, uh, very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was very interesting how he'd been very jovial and funny up until that point, um, talking about how he loves thrashing Lucas Billy on PlayStation, um, and uh, and then got very serious when it came to you know sort of making this point. Um, I, I remember that so well because I remember um, Mirabelli saying uh, something along the lines that Suso to Inter is only, you know, fantasy football, and if 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 Inter wants Suso, they'll have to pay us a hundred million plus Mauro Icardo and Ivan Perisic. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I remember that. So I, I can understand why he he's a bit annoyed about that because because uh, Suso because the way Mirabelli handled that was very like oh this is all nonsense. It's no there's no talk. There's you know this is all just talk and blah blah blah. So I I can understand why he might feel the need to to um, set the record straight there. Um, mm. And especially with a, with a director who's no longer there, uh, you know, and, and and the new new directorship at at, at Milan now, I think that there's I think there's some classic politics involved there as well because um, you have to remember that Leonardo and Milan uh, Maldini were were amongst the people that they wanted to bring in the the Fasone Mirabelli crowd, and they turned them down. So I think there's a little bit of politics on the behalf of the little Suzo there as well. Um, if I'm, well, uh, yeah, you also you, you also look at the the big signings that they made last summer that Fasone and Mirabelli made. Yeah, Kalinic, Andre Silva, and Leonardo Bonucci. What was the first thing that Leonardo and Maldini did? They yeah. sold so Bonucci. <laughs> yeah, they sold all three. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, great. It was great having you on. We we'll always love having you on, James. Um, have you got anything else we should be looking out for uh, now? Uh, aside from uh, like, w- will there be anything else we'll be able to hear you talk about? Because now I've heard you talk about Maldini. I've heard you talk about the Derby de la Madonina on this, uh, on the on the, on this uh, the what's it called? Um, the, the 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 people who produce the Serie A in English. Um, in front is it? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I've done these, uh, I don't know, piece to cameras about various legends of the game, which then get beamed around the world in markets that aren't in the UK or in Italy. So I never get to see them, but I get people on Twitter saying, I saw you, you know, talking about Del Piero, um, or Maldini. Um, so yeah, no, um, yeah, that's, that's been quite interesting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I spent the last uh, two weeks ago. I was in uh, Emilia Romagna, uh, and because uh, because what City has got maybe four or five clubs in Emilia Romagna at the moment, um, so I went around a few of them. So I, I got I, I went to Sassuolo, which was really interesting. Um, uh, so I've written a, a sort of piece which is going to come out about that because I spoke to Kevin Prince Boateng about Dzerbi and uh, uh, and yeah his walk off. Um, and then I also went to Ferrara to go to Spal and spoke to Lazari, which was uh, which was really interesting going to Spal and their training ground, which has been the same training ground um, since Palomazzo was alive. Uh, <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, that that was that was great. So I've got I've got those two bits coming out. So I think the Boateng stuff might drop 
drop this week, uh, even though it's a very kind of uh, uh, the, the Johnny intensity, as they, you know, <laughs> uh, with many United did, did, did you ask him anything about? Um, uh, did you ask him anything about his uh, Michael Jackson dancing? <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I can tell you because this might not actually make it into the piece um, that. Uh, he, I said, would he ever do that again? And he said, no, it was a one-off thing, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be cool to do it again. You know, it just, it, <laughs> it just, it, he didn't want it to become like a party trick. He wanted it to be spontaneous. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, for for Milan Scudetto winning party, um, he just went, you know, not expect. He wasn't planning to do that. I mean, it looked planned, didn't it? And uh, exactly. apparently exactly. the. The, the marketing department just came up to him uh, whilst he was sat in the dressing room, gave him the outfit, gave him the glove and said, there you go, we've got you this Michael Jackson outfit. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he, he, I asked him if he still had like the sequined glove and everything. <laughs> like, no, I had to give it back because essentially it was like rented out fancy dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Oh, that's that's simply brilliant. That's brilliant. Right. Well, uh, as always, it's a pleasure having you. And if people want to follow you on Twitter, what's your handle? It's uh, it's very simple. Uh, it's at James Horncastle. Well, it's always a pleasure, James. Thanks so much. Uh, looking, hope hope to have you come come on real soon again. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cheers, James. Thank you. Enjoy. Thank Buona you, James. Oh. Right. Uh, I thought let's uh, briefly uh, touch uh, on the derby a little thing. I'm, I'm keen to I'm keen to hear what you guys think. Um, uh, starting with you, Mo. Uh, I mean, did the game plan out the way you expected it to? Well, I mean, look, I predicted a 3-1 win. I, I, thought it, I thought it was going to be a sweeping win for Inter. I think it was a sweeping win for Inter in, in, in almost every respect except for the result. And the result, you know, it could have easily been a 3-1 or a 3-0 or whatever, a convincing multi-goal difference score had Skriniar's ball in the first half just inched underneath the, the crossbar. Had Vecino, you know, managed not to uh, hoof the ball up into the stands, or or Politano been able to put away his two uh, his two good chances, or Icardi to connect with that, uh, I think it was the Politano, or was, no, it was the Versalico cross early cross in towards the end of the first half. So I mean, we 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 definitely had our chances. The game was locked. Uh, we couldn't. We didn't have. Uh, as many chances as we would have had we scored earlier. So I think had had any of the first first half goals gone in, the scoreline would have been would have been uh, more in Inter's favor because they had very little to offer going forward. So I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, there's I see a lot of uh, you know still a bit of negativity about the, the style of play, etc. Yesterday we're 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 a combative side. We we don't play free flowing football. You know. I think that's all. Uh, it's all useless talk. It's not like we're, we're we're winning. We're deserved winners in almost all the matches. The fact that we score the goals in the last in the last ten, five, ten, three, two minutes of each of of, of important matches doesn't mean that we don't deserve the victories. Uh, with the exception of maybe the Spal game, but in almost all other games we've we've earned the we've earned the the, the the result and we've earned it comprehensively so the fact that the goal comes towards the end i think is a sign of character a sign of strength a sign of uh, you know attitude rather than it being a sign of uh, good fortune 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, this this good fortune nonsense. I mean, what? Uh, well, you, you can turn that on its head and say that against uh, the Torino, the first 45 minutes when Inter dominated, they should. I mean, I, I, I don't care about that. At the end of the day, uh, the season, the, the league table never lies unless when Juventus have bribed the refs. Yeah. Um, and, so. And what I mean is, it's not like it's a, it's a, a we get fortuitous goals or whatever. They're they're hard earned, well worked, well deserved goals. That's that's you know, and and they come with the run of play, not against it. Yeah, and we've part. and and we've heard of Inter, Fergie time, but now it's definitely Inter time. I mean, the fact that Inter are the team in the city uh, that score most of their goals towards the end of the games just also is is also not a coincidence. So I I don't by that nonsense. But um, I'm really keen to hear what you think, Richard, about, um, uh, you know, go this week This week was all about, uh, as, as James said, uh, how the Italian media put this, uh, you know, uh, portrayed this game as the beautiful playing, free-flowing Milan against the ugly physical side of Inter. And then we go into the derby and it's basically uh, Milan that parked the bus and playing like uh, like like a like a like a provincial team that just uh, are, are are hacking at 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 at, at the backside of Nainggolan's calf. I mean, uh, what, what was your what was your take on that whole thing? It's interesting because I think that the media did play it up a little bit like that, especially with Milan scoring what was it now? Sort of was it uh, six, ten goals or something along the lines? In, in three games beforehand against the Swallow Kiev Olympiakos, everyone thought they were going to run riot. Especially, and you know that build with the, the Matadors, as Gazetta said, Acardi versus um, you know Gonzalo Higuain, and it, it was it was quite amusing in some respects. That all that build up, and I mean, hardly either of the strikers got much to do at all. For me, it was it was interesting because I, I do put it down to that moment when the angle went off. I was quite impressed with the first sort of fifteen twenty minutes when. Interpressed well and didn't let Milan play. I mean, after that, you're right. Milan just completely went into a shell. But it, it doesn't really bother me, to be honest. I mean, at the moment, if Inter are pragmatic and winning, kind of like what Mo said there and what James alluded to before, in the sense of they've not played that cavalier style football we've seen Spalletti invoke Roma back in the day, but it doesn't really matter. The results are the results. And, and, and for me, right now, Especially in the derby, I've been I was I've been more annoyed against games uh, like Mo alluded to before. Spal, I think uh, there's a couple more which really Sampdoria really really frustrated me. But in the derby, especially derbies are about moments. You know, I, I wouldn't have if we were playing fantastic brand of football. I would have expected us in the derby for it to drop off a little bit. To be fair, you know, you look at the two curvers before you look at that atmosphere. You wouldn't be surprised if a few players got some some nerves. That, you know, we often see these big games aren't always the most uh, fantastic. But the one thing that you said before, Nima, was that even if it's um, somewhat of a physical game, even if it's somewhat of a frustrating, disjointed game, both teams do look like they want to win. Um, but, you know, you come out the back of it and seven wins on the bounce going into the Barcelona game, well, which we'll talk about later, but... I, I, was, I was pleased. I was pleased because of the dramatic... I mean, one thing I will pick you up on, though, it's not Inter time. It's surely just Vecino time at the moment. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, that well, cross can... That, wow. that, that, I mean, that, that was a Candreva cross. I mean, that's the kind of crosses that Candreva gets in when he's, you know, these yeah. early crosses. And, and Inter were trying to get those crosses in all the time uh, and, throughout the match. Uh, that, but, that goal, like you say, that cross was incredible. The movement of Icardi. I love that thing that's going around Twitter at the moment, which is focuses yeah. on Icardi. 
And you just see how it doesn't matter if he had 15 touches in the whole game or whatever it was. You know, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, oh, he's, sure. he's the one. Yeah, exactly. And to have that, and he did what Higuain didn't. And, you know, because of the, des- I hate the word desire, so I'm going to change it because um, it's just any English pundit ever. Um, <laughs> we'll just use that. But Inter did have the character, as Mo pointed out before. And the fact that we are scoring goals at these late junctures is, is encouraging. So as for a derby, you had the choreography, you had the atmosphere. It wasn't the best game, but come on, Liam, even when I remember, you know, watching games back in, even with all those fantastic players, I remember we watched one the other day, I think it was 94, it was nil-nil, it was dull as hell. It was so poor. Um, but for, we, it's a victory, it's in the derby now, confidence for Barcelona. Well, I have to say, I have to contradict you a little bit there, but in 94, you had a back line of Tassotti, Costa Curta, Baresi <laughs> and Maldini. So that, 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 wasn't, that goal was drawn. And on the other side, you had Ricardo Ferri, but you had Ricardo <laughs> Ferri. Sanger. Yeah, but Paliuca. So no, I, 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 th- I think the goalless draws back then was did down the quality. This wasn't this wasn't <laughs> the, the derby where Mazzari played against Seedorf or whatever it was. Um, right? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> well, um, I just um, uh, just keep, just keen to hear um, your take on the derby. Uh, what, what's the most positive thing uh, from an Inter perspective that you take with you from this derby? Oh. One positive thing. Um, yeah, I suppose the character is, is fantastic. Um, the fact that Milan think they're so much, so inferior makes me feel quite nice. The way that they set up so defensively, if you want to find a more sort of obscure uh, positive to take from the match, the fear that they interject into other teams. I think actually I would say Vecino. Um, I was going to get to it anyway, but we said last week, that this was a game of moments, and I'm glad Rich said it again, because it was. Um, it's the the flashes, the, the giocate. Um, mm. And we said that Inter had more players who could make the most of those moments. And Vicino and Icardi, are, they, are, they, they play the moments, you know, and that, that's, that's what happened at the end. You know, they, they don't necessarily stun you throughout the game, although I do think Vicino's performances all around have become a bit better this season. But when it comes to the key moment, you know, th- there's... You know, I, I, I remember um, Vecino reminds me a bit of Kadira for Juventus because, you know, Kadira can go sort of sort of 80 minutes when he's like five out of 10. But then when those two key moments come on, Allegri keeps him on because he plays them better than than, than so many other players. And, you know, that's where that's where Daniele Adani got that comment a few weeks ago when he said, you know, even when Vecino's tired and he's not played well, leave him on the pitch because he'll give you something when you need it. Um, and I think he's if you were to pick an individual that, I don't know if he was the man of the match, but he was the, he's one of the most positive um, notes from this sort of entire, well, this sort of run of games, because, you know, Spalletti said at the start of the season in his first press conference before the first game, I think the question was something like, you know, who, who, who do you want more from this season? He said, I want more from Vizino. I want more from Vizino because he was injured in the second half of last season. He's not shown us what he's capable of. And he's been repaid. You know, he had to make a decision in, at the end of August. Do I put Vicino in the Champions League squad or do I put Gagliardini in the Champions League squad? Um, and he's made the right decision. You know, Vicino scored the winner against Spurs. He, was, he, scored, he provided that incredible assist, uh, which was no fluke yesterday. So I, I would say, I would say um, La Garra Charrua himself is, uh, 
is the best. And the best uh, bit of news. He was um, uh, he he came in third uh, according to the sampling readers in the man of the match. Uh, uh, one uh, he got thirteen percent of the vote. Uh, he had seven and a half percent behind Marcelo Brozovic, who was my man of the match, who finished second. And the winner uh, with 41% of the vote was Mauro Icardi, uh, uh, as per the Semperinta.com readers. Do you remember when he uh, couldn't score in the derby, by the way? I just had to say that. Do you remember when he, this was the fuck <laughs> bit of this game? Do you remember yeah. all those derbies? It was like, yeah, but you can't do it against Milan. This is long gone. Now he's written history. This, this and sounds instead, ridiculous now. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. And now he's written history and instead is the first Interista in history to have scored five of Inter, all of Inter's five latest goals against Milan. It's unbelievable. Right, uh, speaking of history, uh, it's uh, now, now it's time for us to walk down memory lane. Memory lane. Uh, it's time for Interlegends with Mr. Chris Smith. Non è un personaggio eh, che, che, che può essere sostituito perché era un personaggio assolutamente unico. Il fatto che abbia sempre eh, pensato e avuto nel cuore due colori, il nero e l'azzurro. First of all, Christopher, Chris, welcome to Studio Inter. I trust you had a good day so far. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, a, a busy Monday, but it's been a good Monday. The sun's uh, sun's out, the birds are chirping, the weather's nice. Can't complain. And Inter won yesterday as well, but we're not going to talk about that. Instead, uh, we're in. Well, we're we could. Just... We could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we're just keen to hear uh, a little bit who the Inter legend that you've picked to this week. The Inter legend that we picked this week, we're going to go ahead and complete the uh, first decade of this century uh, as far as the uh, center forward position goes. We talked last week about Christian Vieri and this week we're going to essentially talk about the man who filled his who filled his boots once he left Inter and went to Milan and that is the charismatic enigma that is one Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, Zlatan is, uh, is, is kind of a, a polarizing figure and he has uh, of course the personality that is uh, truly a gift from the gods. Because he's um, he's 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 both uh, kind of uh, a jackass in a way, but also he's he he inserts just the ever so slightest bit of humor when he does these things, whether it's punching out a teammate in training, or whether it's threatening to break Raphael van der Vaart's legs, or, <laughs> or, or 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 anything such like that. And and you know, you and I have talked, and I said this in the article, is that you know, if Cristiano Ronaldo did some of the things that Zlatan said, it would be pure hate. <laughs> but uh, uh, but 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 you know Zlatan can get away with this because he he has this 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 personality and it makes him it makes him almost likable and in, in, in the, the likable villain in, in doing and saying these things. But uh, you know he came to Inter uh, on a four-year deal uh, was a uh, you know came from uh, one of our rivals Juventus and then of course uh, later played for our other rivals Milan down the road after a uh, trip uh, to Barcelona. And he stayed for this for three years. And you have to say, well, three years, what does that really do? I mean, can you really become a legend of a club in three seasons? Well, yeah, you can. When you win three Scudetti, you can you can do that. You win a Capo Canonieri, you can do that. And unfortunately for him, he left in year before year two of the Jose Mourinho experiment, which, of course, uh, gave us the treble and the Champions League victory. And uh, he missed out on that season. But what he was able to do uh, in between 2006 and 2009 uh, was truly amazing. He came into, you have to think, he came into a side that had uh, a, a very good attacking front line. You had Adriano, you had Crespo, you had Recoba, and then he came in and immediately uh, made his presence felt. And by the end of the three years that he was at Inter, he was the undisputed uh, uh, star number nine. Uh, 30, 
35 appearances he made that season, um, scored the most goals in Serie A, as we just said. And, you know, he, he, he by, 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 in, by standards of Zlatan, he was very tame during his time at Inter. The very, you know, kind of under the radar as far as any kind of uh, controversies with his teammates or getting into fistfights or breaking people's legs. So we're just going to have a little discussion here real quick about the three-year tenure of Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, at the San Siro. For me, for me, uh, when I think of uh, Ibra and, and his tenure at Inter, it's it's that it's when it's when he comes back and wins the Scudetto against Parma. When when he's been injured, he's almost been injured for six months. Inter had 10, 12 points advantage. He goes off. Inter squander that advantage. He comes on in the second half, scores two goals, and then goes off the pitch that week when. Um, because of uh, uh, the Italian press had been had been really really uh, aggressive uh, against um, against Inter, so Inter had a silencio stampa after the uh, after the after after the Parma win, and he's walking off the pitch, and all of the Italian media want to talk to him, and he just says "Voi parlate, io gioco," and walks off. You talk, I play. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that's just a quintessential Ibra. Um, but I mean, if, other than I mean, yes, if you if you win three scudetti and you're the reason that you win three scudetti in just three years, I th- I think you're a legend. Um, that that in my books you are. Uh, Mo, do you have any objections? Uh, no, I I, I have uh, far fewer objections uh, to uh, <laughs> to Zlatan being a. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a, objections uh, really to Vieri being a legend, but I have fewer objections uh, to Zlatan simply because of the the era that uh, his uh, arrival in uh, Nenazuri shirt ushered in. You know, he will be forever remembered as the guy. You know, the 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 flag bearer of of, of that amazing run, six seven year run. And also the fact that when he left, he left with the best, the most amazing, ridiculous transfer in the history of transfers. Like, honestly, I look back at his transfer, uh, at his transfer to Barcelona and I laugh till today. You, you send uh, Zlatan to Barca, he gets benched, we get Eto plus 67 million euros. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was the most ridiculous transfer in the history of transfer, transfers. Uh, it, you know, uh, I, I, have, uh, I have nothing but fond memories. Uh, about him and you know like even when he went to Milan it never really left a bitter taste you you always felt that you never owned Zlatan 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 was his own like you know mercurial elusive enigma that you kind of like rented his talent for a while and and then he left and he went off to do his own thing it wasn't it wasn't like Vieri Vieri you know when Vieri went to Milan you felt betrayed but Zlatan Zlatan does what Zlatan wants Actually, and that's what I was actually going to ask you, Mo. I was, I was actually, if you had not brought that up, I was going to ask you uh, if the hate level on a scale of 1 to 10 was a 9 or a 10 for Cristiano Vieri, uh, for Cristiano Vieri where was it when, uh, you know, Zlatan wore the red and black shirt? Because uh, they both played for, basically, there was only one year in between. As Vieri went right away to Milan, but uh, Zlatan was at Barca for one season, uh, felt the Messi effect. You know, he's publicly gone on record saying that Messi wanted to play central, so that basically negated him and made him an outcast and, and, and kind of irrelevant. So he, uh, he, he, like Icardi, sometimes feels the Messi effect. And, uh, you know, then he goes on to play for Milan alone. Did you feel much differently towards him when he was playing for our uh, arch rivals? Yeah, no, like I said just now, I, I, for sure that what pissed me off more about uh, Zlatan was him uh, kissing the Barca badge on the day of his presentation, like only a week 
uh, was it maybe a few days after the transfer had been uh, sealed? Mm. That kind of annoyed me. But but no, the tra- by the time he'd gone to Milan, you know that was it. It was fine. And like I said, we never really owned Zlatan. You you, you never owned that guy. He's 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 above it all. He sort of transcends club colors. He's he's, <laughs> he's you Ibra. know he's his own guy. He's Ibra. Yeah. He's the Ibra. He's Ibra the Ibra. Yeah. N- Nima, if I could, if Nima, if I could ask you, uh, if you look at just a three-year window, if you take any any center forward that you can think of off the top of your head in a three-year period at Inter. Where do you rank Zlatan in a, in in regards to those? So you can this can be you know someone like a Klinsmann, and you can take someone obviously like Vieri, someone who's been there at least you know two three seasons that can make an impact. Is he not the most impactful player? I mean, obviously you had um, Milito come in, but he did not he didn't do what Zlatan did over three years. He did it for a year or two. Maybe you could argue for three years. Obviously, the team success went down after 2010. But Zlatan, you know, with the exception of of, of the Champions League uh, in in Serie A, they were dominant. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I think in in Inter's modern history, and by modern history, I mean after after 1960, 1970, in Inter's modern history, I don't think there will ever be a more important uh, attacker or striker than Diego Milito. And I'm not just saying that because of the treble. It's it's just the the way he. He was the symbol of an Inter that conquered everyone and all the important goals he scored. I mean, defeating first team to defeat Juve at the Juventus Stadium, him scoring two goals, that he's scoring, you know, winning the treble basically on his own. Uh, all of that stuff. For me, he's the most important. Uh, but the best striker is is Zlatan Ibrahimovic, without a doubt. And I and 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 I and I don't mean that as a as as a form of ability, um, because Ronaldo is probably the greatest talent to have played in Inter in modern times. But if you look at uh, Ronaldo, how Ronaldo came, how Ronaldo delivered, and what Zlatan delivered, and and the way he left, you, you can't compare the two. Ibra came. Uh, Ibra came, won three Scudetti, raised his value, became, you know, lifted the club, uh, be, became a superstar. Uh, he was a star, but became an absolutely mega star, left the club for, as Mo said, 65 million plus Eto, which financed the, the four or five players Mourinho needed to win the treble. So for me, he's, uh, he's, um, he's, he's probably, uh, if, you, if we talk about the most important, I, I, he's number two after Milito uh, for me, uh, because Milito is, in my, import, in my opinion, the most important striker he could have had. But, uh, I mean, as the Italians say, uh, in, in, after the millennium, they consider him to be the best player to have played in the Serie A, and I, it's hard to disagree with that. It's like it's like Mo said, you know, he it, it does. After you look at all the clubs that he's played for, you now talk about Manchester United, you talk about PSG, you talk about Juventus, you talk about no one really owns him. He is his own man, and it goes back to the saying that he said. You know, it, there's a quote that, that Zlatan said, and it, it's not the uh, the Swedish way or the Yugoslavian way. It's the Zlatan way, and, and, and it, it's it, it it truly is his way, it, his way or the highway. I mean, and Zlatan does what Zlatan wants, and it's why I think it's so funny. Like I said at the beginning. If someone like a Ronaldo does some uh, Cristiano Ronaldo does something like 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 Zlatan has done, he gets venomous hate for this. But Zlatan can do it, and people laugh. And it, that that's there's something special about a player like that when there's it's just uh, this this humorous uh, kind of charismatic jackass that that just uh, he kind of captures you. His personality is just uh, all encompassing, and it, it just it's more than just a player. He's he's kind of like I said, he's this charismatic enigma. Richard, what's your favourite Ibra moment at Inter? It's it, that's kind of touched on it in a way. Um, I think I've think I mentioned this before, but one of the, my favourite 
games on the curve of the road was um, 2006-2007. Game against Serena, last game of the season, <clears throat> excuse me, a 3-0 win. And I think it was the fact that when you go through that squad and the players that played that day, you know, the likes of Figo, you can just list them off. My console got a cracking goal that day. And it was the fact of just getting a glimpse of Ibra. Um, and I think that says it all, really. When you look down that squad that we had um, and, and watching that title win and watching how just just it was it was one of those most incredible moments because you're looking back at that time and thinking you thought the Ronaldo's or Recovers and even before that, as you know, Nima, you know, we grew up on the Klinsmans, the Bramers, etc., and the Nicola Bertis. And just to be able to look and think, wow, you know, this this guy's achieved so much. And it was incredible. And so that, that 2000, um, you know, 2007 season and seeing him lift the Scudetto and being on the Covenant for that was, was incredible. And just any time you watched in that season, it was just, you could just tell the ability. And it was the confidence as well. Everyone else seemed so determined. Every other player, even like Figo, seemed to play with a determination. But Zlatan was the only one who really played as if it was his show. You know, that was the great nature of that team, that there were so many amazing players that played as a team. And Mancini got them playing together. But with Zlatan, it was almost like, yeah, you guys do that and uh, I'll do the rest. So I, that's, that's my overriding memory of him. Will, what about you? You were, you were pretty young back then, weren't you? I'm still pretty young, I'd like to think. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, we're pretty young right now. <laughs> yeah, well, everything's relative. Don't, don't, meant, don't age me too much. I, I didn't mean it like that. I meant that you weren't old enough to go to the pub by yourself back then. That's what I mean. No, that, that much is true. <laughs> so so, so uh, what, what do you remember? Like, what's your fondest memory? Well, Parma. I mean, yeah, Parma, yeah. yeah. Um, although I, do, I, I don't remember this. Um, but I also have been, I've seen it quite a lot in the last couple of years. The, the Scorpion goal he scored oh. against Bologna. That was pretty cool as well. For me, that uh, pass that Mark, when he makes that, when our, when our good friend um, Marco Palmieri, uh, when he, he's commenting against Lazio and he does that insane Scorpion back pass to, uh, to Stankovic uh, and, and everyone is just laughing and Marco Palmieri laughs as well because he, he's like... I've never seen a human being bend that way on a football pitch in that in that situation. He just did things that has never been done before. And uh, I, I think one of my favorite um, memories of him is it was actually a, a former uh, Inter Primavera player who um, whose name eludes me now, who said that who hated Zlatan. And it was in this context that he said that this guy is an absolute idiot. And when the journalist asked him why, why, why do you think he's a jackass? Why do you think he's an idiot? I uh, said, well, it was in the middle of a game in the Serie A at the San Siro. And Inter, all of a sudden, this, this guy turns to me and barks at me, yo, go get me a coffee. And Inter are attacking and scoring and trying to score a goal while he's standing in the, on the touchline, drinking his coffee and like joining, <laughs> joining the attack. And, and, and I think scoring a goal as well, which is just so quintessentially Ibrahimovic in a way. Um, you know, take a coffee break and then go score a goal. Um, <laughs> that, that's, Absolutely. That, that's hilarious. Um, it should be to, said, it should be said to his credit as well. He was on that as uh, I believe it was Richard who just said, talked about that 2007 team. That was a team that scored 97, accumulated 97 points, still the highest point total in Serie A history until Juventus recently broke that with 102. So it's still the second highest and by far the highest scoring inter uh, points total in the season. And that was, you know, that's what Ibrahimovic brought to the table. He uh, helped contribute to that 97 points. 
Mm. And also, I got to say a little something that um, when I when I interviewed uh, when I met uh, Mrs. Emilia Moratti, uh, the same night we met Mr. Massimo Moratti, uh, they actually revealed that before joining AC Milan, uh, Ibra called uh, President Moratti and informed him that he was going to join uh, AC Milan and felt that he wanted to show him that respect uh, to let him know about it before reading about it in the papers uh, and. Uh, as, as Massimo Moratti said, almost asking him of his permission, uh, which uh, Moratti found very respectful, uh, and uh, to which he had replied, according to his own, uh, according to him himself, he said that, well, I said, you know, you can do whatever you want, but I do appreciate the gesture. So um, that, that's, that's also something to take into consideration. I think if, if he could, uh, and if Inter were in a position to sign Ibra after Mourinho, I think they would have brought him back to the club and uh, I would have loved to have seen it. I would have loved to. Yeah, see he it. claims that he grew up an Inter fan too. So it would make no, he did. He, he would, did. Yeah, he yeah. did. There is a clip in Sweden uh, when he's 17, 18 years old. I remember it so well uh, when uh, Malmö is playing in the Swedish second tier, and he's been ripping that league apart. And the journalist asks him, uh, "Where are you in 10 years' time?" And he says. Uh, I'm up. I'm. 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 I'm up top uh, in uh, with with Ronaldo at Inter, uh, scoring uh, <laughs> scoring goals. And and to, in a way, he kind of achieved that. Not only achieved it, but surpassed it because you know you see everyone's seen that famous derby derby when Ronaldo's gone to AC Milan. Uh, he scores the first goal. Ibra assists Julio Cruz for the one-one, and then scores the winner in that derby. Um, so. Mm -hmm. That, there's a lot of there's a lot of symbolism and uh, when it comes to Ibrahimovic and Ronaldo, both of them also being players who never won the Champions League. And then you have the stuff like he did uh, just a few weeks ago here in the United States. He was on a TV show uh, and he surprised the uh, the Thailand uh, team that was uh, lost in the in the cave for such a long time and uh, came on the show and surprised them with an appearance because now, of course, he plays for LA Galaxy. So, I mean, there's a good-hearted, that's the, that's the thing about it. There's, 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 a, there's a good person underneath all that sarcasm and, and, uh, uh, <laughs> and, and, and you know, tomfoolery, if you will, trickery, you know, punching a teammate out, whatever you want to call it. There's a really great guy in there. Definitely. I mean, when the Swedish, uh, the Swedish disabled national football team, they had no money to uh, go to the World Cup, which they had qualified for, and they asked him to, for a signed uh, national team jersey to auction out, to which he replied, what are you going to do with the shirt? So instead, he paid for the entire team to go there. He's done loads of stuff like that. Uh, it's a very uh, typical... Yeah, he he is that way. He's a very um, uh, he's a very he's very he still remembers where where he comes from in that sense that he's very humble. Uh, I think I think most of that brag thing is is kind of an act. I think he's kind of joking with it. Um, it, it seems to me, at least that's the way I look at it. He has self confidence, but this, you know, talking of himself in the third person, all that stuff. That, that, <laughs> that, that's 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 to me. That's kind of like a little bit of humor in in the way I see it, at least. It's a shame. I believe he's missed out just narrowly on the Champions League uh, with Inter the year before. And of course, with Barca, he was loaned out when they won it. So that's yeah. the one thing that's kind of missing off his resume is the uh, the Champions League. And he's, he's been close uh, on two occasions as far as uh, time timelines go. But uh, was was, uh, was unfortunately just not in the location at the time when the clubs won it. So uh, Inter, like I said, 2010 and, and Barca the next year, but on loan in Milan. So what can you do?
He's in good company. Neither Diego Maradona and Brazilian Ronaldo won the Champions League or the European Cup. So there are worse companies to be in. He's Absolutely. hardly a, a poor Nos player. Buffon. <laughs> Ow, ouch. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah no, Buffon hasn't won either. Um, that's true. That's very much true. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you so much, Kriti. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, we'll be, uh, we'll, we'll, you'll be back next week for another edition of Interlegends. Until then, I uh, hope you have a good week. Absolutely. Same to you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Let's right. move on. Uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Uh, starting with this week's Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Mohamed Massa. He's, he works a lot. He's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this qualities. Yeah, so this week's Moratti, uh, we were talking, Nima, uh, it, we had to give, give a nod yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> to the, the TIFO, right, the Curva. Uh, that, that, that was, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. Wow. It was, wow. I, you know, yeah, mind-blowing, awesome, uh, you know, it, I lost for words to describe it. It was, it was really fantastic. One of, one of the best uh, Tifi, TIFOs I've ever seen. Uh, so, so we have to, uh, we have to uh, give it on to that. But also, you know, I kind of, when we were talking about which Marathi to pick, I also kind of felt like depending on how the game would go, maybe we'd have to pick someone, something else as well. And again, yet once again, you can't help but talk about Icardi. And we just, we, I mean, Richard earlier spoke about that clip that was going on Twitter uh with that uh, single camera focused on the guy uh alone on on the run on the run up to the goal in the 92nd 93rd minute he still got like the eyes of a hawk the instincts of a killer and you know it's it's that it's that that's those those 30 seconds or so just completely embody what what this guy means to inter what inter means to him what his work ethic is really like, and 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 sort of the sort of deadly killer that he is. So, I have to I have to give uh, give the Moratti of the week uh, uh, not only to the to the Curva but also to uh, to Icardi and that amazing goal that he scored. That video was like a like an Attenborough documentary. Yes, <laughs> I was like... going to say. Absolutely, <laughs> 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 he was roaming in his natural habitat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's hilarious. That, that is, I think it is Attenborough commentate. Like someone, some genius. I don't know if we're talking about the same thing here, but I just saw it before we started recording this. Some guy has put in put a, an Attenborough commentary over that. Uh, when Icardi's uh, running, no, I haven't absolute, seen that, but that doesn't surprise it is me. Absolutely brilliant, and it's really? like. And yeah, and, and just when he heads the ball, he says he's the most accomplished killer. <laughs> so it's just, oh, it's just brilliant. So I'll uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely check that out. Um, right, let's move on to a slightly more uh, com- comical uh, part uh, of the segment. This week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. E clamoroso, autogol di Ranocchia. Yes, I'll keep this one short, but. Uh... This is a man we can all laugh at. It was a man that about, um, was it about 11 months ago, everyone hated, and now he's someone that we can just laugh at. And that is, of course, Giampiero Ventura, because uh, he, he dived back into the world of club football. 
this uh, <laughs> weekend. He uh, ironically took charge of the only club in Italy that wears yellow and blue as their as their colours, which is very <laughs> ironic for teams that uh, he has faced in the last year or so. Uh, he yeah. was very excited about this. He took over a Chievo side um, who have got minus one points uh, and have spent the entire summer doing everything within their power to cement their reputation as the most hated club in Italy after Juventus. And I think they've, with Ventura's arrival, they have pretty much <laughs> locked that spot down for the next 50 years. Um, I did say, I did, um, but there is a, there is a nice irony, isn't there, about uh, Eeyore joining the Flying Donkeys. Um, and, uh, well, it was a very sort of, uh, well, it was an unfortunate start, wasn't it? Because he was very excited. He said, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not worried. I, I want to put myself back into the into the business. I want another challenge. And uh, well, Kiev lost five one at home to Atalanta and are still on <laughs> minus one. So he has to be the frog of the week. I'm afraid, oh, Mister Ventura. Good shout. Good shout. Right. Let's move on to something slightly more negative. This week's emoji, which we presented by Mister Richard Hall. It's pretty difficult to be negative when we just won the derby. So I'm going to try and keep it a little bit, well, not too heavy. Um, my biggest disappointment from this week is just, and I've probably said it a few times today, is just the, the Rajin the Anglin injury. I think that coming into the Barcelona game when there's no, no Messi, as James alluded to earlier on, this is a massive, massive chance to be able to go and really not dominated by a long shot, but really go and stand toe-to-toe with them. And I think the injury, if it is a sprain, as you say, I, I'm not sure how long they've said he's going to be out for now. But if he does miss some games, I think it just, I hope it doesn't damage the momentum. But it would have been just the icing on a very, very nice cake at the moment if we'd have been able to go to Barcelona with Niangalan um, and it playing like he did in those first 20 minutes. I think he really would have put it about Barcelona a little bit. And um, it would have been fantastic. But it wasn't to be. Um, I didn't particularly like the challenge. I know people are torn over that. Uh, for me, Piliger has never had any pace. So why he thought he had pace to get to that, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's it for me. I just uh, It's a shame he's out for that game. It's a really nice segue into what I wanted to talk about conc- uh, in, a, in our conclusion, and that's the Barcelona game. Uh, I'm going to ask, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, Mo, what your thoughts are is, is on this. Um, I mean, Messi missing for Barcelona, Messi is a, is a phenomenon, like Ronaldo, those two are the best football players in the galaxy. There's no talk about, there's no discussion there. So obviously any team where Messi, you know, when Messi's injured, he'll be missed. But in my opinion, Inter losing someone like Nainggolan and Perisic and Brozovic, in my opinion, that's a bigger blow to Inter than it is for Barcelona to lose Messi because they have such a wide squad that they can easily uh, adapt to not playing with Messi. Uh, do you agree with that, Mo? So, yeah, so I think uh, the, the word now is that uh, Nangolan is going to be out for three weeks. I think, uh, as far as I know, I don't know if you guys know any different, but uh, Perisic and Brozovic are going to be making the trip, whether they'll be fit to start or not, remains to be seen. But uh, that, that's as far as I know. But of course, if we lose three players, um, it is definitely far more, uh, they'll have far more of an impact, regardless of how important that one player is. That being said, if Perisic and Brozovic are fit to play, and, it's, and we only miss Nangolan, I think Barcelona are going to be suffering far more due to the lack of a Messi than we are 
to missing Nainggolan. And I say this because of Nainggolan's position. Um, while while he, he he is for sure he has been the most impactful player that we've had uh, in, in in the final third when attacking so far in the season. I don't think we'll be needing so much of him in a match like that where we're playing away at the camp now. Uh, I think missing Brozovic, for example, or missing Perisic might be more detrimental to Spalletti's uh, game plan than, than, than possibly missing Nangolan. And maybe I'm just, you know, finding silver linings or whatever, but, <laughs> to, 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 you know, like the eternal optimist. But to me, I think there's no doubt that Nangolan is essential when we want to attack. But I don't know how much attack we're going to be wanting to do in the style of the Nangolan. We would rather have players like a Brozovic who can transition the ball quickly, players like a Perisic who can run down the flank. I think they're, 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 they might prove to be more important than, than say, Nangolan playing in a trequartista role. Should Nangolan have been deployed through the season, throughout the season, next to in a Metzala role, next to Brozovic, maybe. But uh, you know, under Spalletti's uh, system, that 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 particular role, I think, if Valero can, a combination of Valero and Politano, or or Valero and slash, you know, Vecino or Valero and anyone, can 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 be made to uh, fill the gap for 90 minutes. I think. We should be okay. Mm. So um, going into uh, it's Barcelona at the camp now is 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 probably the most difficult game away game in Europe right now. Um, do Inter? I mean, how how high do you rate Inter's chances, Richard? Um, personally, maybe I'm being a, a little bit negative, but I'm going to end with a positive lining on this as well. I get Mo's point massively, but I think that with Nianglan, I think the what he does give you is that engine. And I think the same goes for Perisic as well. I think they can offer defensive duties, even though their primary role isn't to do that. And so, look, I'm going to be... OK, let's try and be a little bit positive. Inter were never going to go to the new Camp and play Barcelona off the field. They were never even going to properly compete. We've not seen Inter play anywhere near the level of football that would be able to do that. However, Barcelona haven't been in the best of form this season. They are missing Messi. There's questions over, you know, Valverde so far. Um, and, you know, you can just look at the s- simple fact that Madrid have been so par- poor and yet still in catching distance of them. So there is there is a- an opportunity, I think, if Inter do go there and play as they did in the derby in some respects and absorb that pressure and just think they will get one chance. Um, because Maricardi's proved, just needs one. That's true. That is very much true. Um, Will, uh, w- 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 do you think, uh, I mean, how how much do you think, uh, I'll, I'll ask you the same question that I asked Mo, uh, do you think it's it's a bigger uh, p- problem for Inter to lack Nangolan than it is for, for, for Barcelona to not have Messi? Well, this question was asked on, uh, on television last night, actually. Um, and I think in an absolute sense, obviously, Messi is a bigger miss. But as Barcelona are the favourites, they can afford to miss a couple of players and still be in pretty good shape. Inter, as the, as the underdogs, as it were, can't really afford to be losing their key players, even though nobody would, in their right mind, dispute that Nainggolan is on the same level as, as Messi, because no one is. Um, so I, I, it's, it's a blow. Um, I think in that, in that sense, I'm pleased that this is the away game and not the home game, because that's the one that I think we've got a bigger chance of getting something from. Um, 
I'm, James said a couple of weeks ago that the, the key thing here is, you know, don't let this kind of sort of any kind of defeat sort of trickle into the, the games that follow. You know, just give a good account of yourselves. I think anything really is a bonus, even without Messi, you know, because I, I thought that the key game here was the derby. There's not a huge turnaround time before that match. It's only 72 hours. Uh, from what I've heard, Spalletti said yesterday that Perisic and Borozovic probably won't be brisked. You know, we have a very important game on Monday as well. So I reckon if there's a doubt, he'll probably, um, he'll probably uh, choose the Conservative route, especially given that we've already got six points in this group. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what team he picks because if all three of those are not not available, then he's going to have to concoct some kind of one-off team because I don't think there's a sort of a natural solution um, because, you know, you haven't got Gagliardini because he's not uh, eligible in the Champions League. So if Brozovic is not there, you need Vecino and one other. You can't play nine goal out, obviously, because he's away. You could move Asamoah into midfield, but then if you do that, then you can't you can't play Dalbert at left-back because he's not in the Champions League either. Um, you know, you could see one of Keita or Kandreva coming in. I don't know. I, I'm not particularly hopeful about this game, to be honest. I just don't want us to... I, I want us to give a good account, but I'm not that... I don't think it's a disaster if we we don't win the game. I think that the key game is, is the home game and then particularly the game of away in, in London, which will decide our fate in this uh, in this group. So, no, I'm not particularly positive. And, um, but, you know, Barca are not infallible by any means. So, strange things have happened. So, a uh, prediction? A prediction, then? You think we'll lose? Uh, yeah, I think we'll lose 2-0. Cool. Um, well, uh, Richard, uh, what's your prediction? Do you think Luis Suarez will bite anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the I think we could be the first time we ever curse the name Luis Suarez. Um, yeah, the very aptly named Suarez. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Will on this. I can see 2-0. I think that's a good prediction. Mm. Mo? <laughs> Come on, positivity man! <laughs> live up, live up to laugh. the name. Yeah, live up to that name. <laughs> eight straight win. You heard it here first. Oh, Inter wins. How much? Yeah, I think it's yeah, eight yeah. three. That's the best prediction ever. Out. Let's just leave it at that. Keep it. Four for Lautaro. Four for Ricardo. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I think I think it's an inter win. I think uh, I I don't know, man. I, I feel it. I feel it. I think I think it's an inter win. I think it's so funny. I think, you a... I think it's so funny you mentioned that because I've got the same little feeling in my stomach that yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that little tingle as well. That this this is the game yeah. that I think that can really surprise. Yeah. And with Nainggolan out, uh, I think I really think that um, yeah, uh, I, I I agree with the, you. There. The, 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 the way the way Icardi was hugging Lautaro, the way Spalletti went on and like almost like tackled his players with hugs at the end of the game yesterday, there's something special going on right now. So I think I think this this uh, this uh, this you know this intangible thing, this feeling, this whatever is gonna is gonna be important. Mm. But we'll see. I, 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 I you know you, you know what I'm gonna do. You know this. Sorry, sorry. The most important thing for me now is I'm going to put on my Inter jersey and go down to the sports bar and watch the first Inter's, uh, Inter Champions League game in, in front of everyone with my Inter jersey for the first time in, what, seven years? And that's Love all it. I care about, really. You know, that's, that's, really, that's all I care about. 
Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Uh, no, I'm going to say 1-0 Inter. Uh, Candreva scores a 30-yard screamer. <laughs> love it. His first goal in 30 years is what you're going to say. No, no. <laughs> oh, this, this, the candy hate must stop. Right, um, we, we, we will be playing um, uh, Candy's former team, Lazio, next Monday, which is why we won't be recording next Monday. We'll be recording on the Tuesday. I uh, just want to briefly touch upon that. This is the, Inter will be traveling to Stadio Olimpico to play against uh, the Bianco Celesti for the first time since that dramatic win where La Prende Vecino, um, which has now become like uh, <laughs> Inter folk- folklore. Um, it's in our intro. Yeah, exactly. Even that. Uh, no, uh, personally, I, I I think Lazio will get their revenge. I think uh, the, the 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 I think they will win that game uh, simply because uh, I think Inter. I think it's it's just one game too much uh, for for this Inter squad. And with Brozovic and Perisic looking as exhausted and injured as they are, Nainggolan out. I think I think that game is a game where I think uh, Lazio will win two uh, 0 uh, Will thoughts? Um. I mean, Lazio are probably one of the most predictable teams in the league um, because if you look at their season so far, they've played nine games. They've lost against Juventus, Roma and Napoli and they've beaten everyone else. So if you use that logic, then we should win. But um, this is the kind of game that they sort of choke a little bit in. So I think that gives us a bit of hope. Uh, I agree that, you know, obviously coming after Barcelona and, and Milan, this isn't really the ideal time. But I think the fact that we won that game last night gives us a little bit less pressure on, in the game. You know, we're the away team. Um, you know, we're not obliged to win, although obviously we should be aiming for that. Um, so I, I think, I mean, I'd be fairly satisfied with a draw. That might be a bit sort of pessimistic and uh, small time, but I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult game. You know, I haven't actually seen much of them this this year, but you know they are they are very they're very sort of linear in the way that they they beat everyone below them and and, and trip up with against everyone above them. But if you look at the table, you know we, there's a five point gap already between Inter and fifth place. So you know there's a there's a there's a bit of a sort of cushion already. So I don't think a you know I don't think a draw is a terrible result. I think it will be one all, and I say I'll say it's Immobile and. Uh, well, let's say Candreva, because that would be nice. A goal against his former club. Yeah, great. Um, Richard, uh, what about you? Um, well, I'm confident. Last uh, last two games in Rome, I've been to both and uh, won both of them. So I'll not for there for this one, but I'm still confident that it's it's a ground that we've we've got a bit of confidence, and I think if we don't get demolished by Barcelona. Uh, we will go there, as Will said, with um, you know feeling good about it. So I actually think we'll win that game. Um, I'll just go for a one nil Anacardi because it seems to be standard procedure at the moment. But yeah, I- I'm confident for that <laughs> on the basis that we don't take um, a heavy defeat to Barcelona. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that that is not a, an insignificant detail. You know, you need to mm. just yeah just pass this game. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, any thoughts? Any concluding thoughts on that? Yeah, strangely, I, I'm I'm going to be on the pessimistic side, but in in the sense that I, I don't think we're going to lose, but I just I don't think we're going to win uh, that match. I think all signs are going to point towards Lazio winning, but like uh, Will said, the uh, the expectation, the fact that their home side, the, the home side, the fact that they are going to be so focused on revenge is going to play against them. So I think maybe we win, but probably it'd be a scoring draw. 
I've just realised that Candreva scoring the equaliser isn't the best narrative, is it? <laughs> it's De Vrij <laughs> scoring the equaliser. <laughs> After everything that happened last year, he's going to have a fun with Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. Well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'd like to, that's all we had time for this week. And we will be next week. Uh, we, will be back, we will be recording on the Tuesday because the Lazio game is on the Monday. Uh, hoping to have a very special guest uh, on the show for next week. Um, but I would like to thank James Horncastle. I'd like to thank Mr. Richard Hall. Cheers, guys. Always a pleasure. Um, Mr. Mo Nassa. Forza Inter. Cheers, everybody. And uh, Will Beckman. Thank you, everyone. Good evening. For uh, Thank you all for joining. And until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tavalli-Ruzzari, wishing you all a good week, uh, six points, and Forza Inter. Forza Inter!